1939, a man named Robert May wrote a poem called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You probably know it. Yeah? Ten years later, May's brother-in-law wrote a song based on that poem, and so began the amazing Christmas songwriting career of Johnny Marks. He wrote songs for Bing Crosby and Burl Ives, but for people in uh, 2023, you will recall the most famous Johnny Marks song of all because it hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 earlier this month. In 1958, Marks heard a record with this voice on it, and he thought, oh, that would work perfectly for a song I just wrote. Let's get her in here. Her name was Brenda Lee, and she was 13 when they recorded a song that would 65 years later dethrone the greatest juggernaut of a Christmas song of all time, Mariah Carey's very own, All I Want for Christmas is You. I just heard it in Quick Trip on my way over here. It is inescapable. According to the New York Times, rocking around the Christmas tree got to number two on that Billboard Hot 100 list a couple times over the last few years, but it couldn't take out Mariah, which is why Brenda Lee, last month, at age 78, went the extra mile. She released a music video. <laughs> you really should see a 78-year-old woman lip-syncing to her 13-year-old self while surrounded by her actual grandchildren who are rocking around the Christmas tree. Anyway, just weeks ago, she put out that video, and not just that, because she wanted to win, she started a TikTok account just for her song. Do that, and voila, add up all the metrics, and she just barely finished the week after Thanksgiving ahead of Mariah, because for Brenda Lee, all she wanted for Christmas was to beat Mariah Carey, and she did it. <laughs> so after I read that article, I just had to know, what are the other top Christmas songs according to Billboard's metrics? This would be a fun game, I think, if we had time. We could do this family feud style, you know, choir side versus pulpit side. There's, you're thinking now, right? What would the top 10 be? There's I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. There's Dean Martin's version of let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Andy Williams, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Burl Ives, Nat King Cole, crooners galore. And in the top ten, there are songs that aren't like those at all. Jingle Bell Rock, Feliz Navidad, and the eternally awesome song, Last Christmas, by Wham. Yeah, that's right. As Nat King Cole sings over strings, undoubtedly sweatered in front of a fire, a duo from the 80s called Wham, some of us can see George Michael as I speak, sings over a synthesizer. That's quite a range of styles, right? But it makes sense because Christmas music has always included a wide range of songs, even in the church. The Christmas section of our hymnals has lots of lullabies, like, away in a manger, or, O little town of Bethlehem, in 
Infant, holy, infant, lowly. And of course, we're going to sing it later. Silent night, right? Lent songs, like they're all heavy and dark because the church is remembering we are dust and to dust we shall return. Easter songs are pretty much all bright and brassy as the church proclaims victory over death. Most seasons of the church year have a singular vibe. But as much as the world allows for popular Christmas songs to range from Bing Crosby to Wham, the church too celebrates Christmas with lullabies that could send a baby to sleep and bouncy songs that even Scrooge can't help but hum under his breath as he strides through town on Christmas Day. Hark the herald angels singing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconcile. Joyful all you nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. It's a toe tapper. <laughs> I mean, for church, you know. It's no lullaby, for sure. It is to Silent Night what Brenda Lee's rocking around the Christmas tree is to Bing Crosby. And I love them all. The breadth of Christmas music reflects the size and the scope of the Christmas story itself. Because this story means so much. And it means so much for all people. For those who aren't terribly religious but do know and love God, for those who are theologically interested and spend time and effort reflecting on who God is and how God loves, this story touches us all because this story tells us how God fulfills the ancient promise God made to Abraham. God said to Abraham, through you, through your descendants, I'm going to bless the whole world. Nobody could quite know what that blessing would look like until Christmas. God keeps God's promises and does so in the most unlikely and courageous way by being born into a very dangerous world. And as much as the Christmas story tells us about God's bravery, creativity, and faithfulness to us and to all of creation, the story also shapes how we understand ourselves valued by God, graced by God, and all for a purpose, for the sake of our neighbor, for the sake of all the nations, for the sake of creation. The size and scope of the Christmas story is broad and deep and layered, which is why we celebrate it in no singular way. Sometimes we celebrate by meditating on the light of a candle while we sing a lullaby quietly. Sometimes we celebrate with shouts of joy as we sing, Hark! The herald angels sing. And each is absolutely spot on because this is not a story meant to impart a limited amount of particular information. This is a story meant to evoke unlimited amounts of wonder. I came across this quote from Fred Rogers, that is Mr. Rogers to me and many of you. He said, our society is much more interested in information than wonder, in noise rather than silence, 
And I feel that we need a lot more wonder and a lot more silence in our lives. I would argue that no story in our culture, not even anything Disney or Taylor Swift can come up with, evokes wonder more broadly, more deeply than the Christmas story. The incarnation of God, that is God taking on a body, the creator becoming a part of creation, the Lord of all becoming a vulnerable human baby. It is a wondrous idea. But it's not just an idea. The Christmas story is about an experience. And like maybe no other Bible story, Christians have gotten good at experiencing the sights and the sounds and the smells and the feelings of Christmas. I don't know a lot about Francis of Assisi from the 13th century, but I do know that for our Roman Catholic siblings in Christ, he is venerated as the patron saint of ecology and animals, basically all things creation. Francis was one of those humans who just naturally lived in wonder from his experience of nature. It was his experience of God to be in nature. And what ignited Francis' devotion to God was that God, Francis knew, didn't just think about humanity. Francis knew that God gave us more than thoughts and prayers. Francis knew that with creation, God chose to be all in. The Christmas story told him that God literally was all in, born as one of us. But by the 12th century, during the life of Francis, the church didn't emphasize the Christmas story much. The church made religion about heaven and hell for the most part, and how lucky we are that Jesus died and rose for you, for us. And I'm not saying that's not great news. It is great news. But it's not the only news that makes the good news good. Because there's a lot of stuff that happens to each of us and to all of us before we die. And it turns out Jesus had good news about the living parts of our lives too. That peacemakers are blessed even when it seems like the world wants them killed. That the merciful are blessed even though the world equates mercy with weakness. The biggest headline of the good news Jesus proclaimed was that it's for the meek, for the lowly, even though that upsets the strong and the powerful. That the church was dwelling on the crucifixion of Jesus and what that could mean to each of us. Francis loved to celebrate the birth of Jesus and what that means for all of us. So exactly 800 years ago tonight, in 1223, Francis was on his way from one place to another and stopped in a familiar-to-him little Italian village called Greccio. And there he told the noblemen of the area to gather everybody up into a cave because he was going to go do a thing. Couldn't quite explain what the thing was. But what he did was Francis retold the Christmas story in a way that transformed the story from just another idea about God to an experience. It was like a reenactment. Actually, a lot like what our kids did this past Wednesday for our Christmas program. I mean, actually, it was way different than what our kids did Wednesday for the Christmas program. But it was the same concept, that our kids would not only imagine the story and hear it read, but that they would actually act it out. They would experience the story. 
And years later, after Francis died, that little town unveiled a fresco painting to commemorate that time when Francis had come through and did that thing on Christmas Eve. And on one side of this fresco is Francis and the town people. And on the other half of it is what would be pretty familiar to us. It's the Holy Family. Looks like a nativity scene. And to this day, they call Greccio the birthplace of the first nativity scene. And from there, a tradition started to spread. People not just hearing the Christmas story, but experiencing it reenacting it, painting it, carving it out of wood, making little figurines, all as ways of experiencing the story that we would give way to wonder. I remember as a kid being allowed to set up the nativity scene, imagining the story of Mary willingly partnering with the Holy Spirit to give birth to God with us. As our song for tonight says, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity. Pleased is man with us to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. That God is willing to take on flesh. That Mary is willing to bear this son of God. That Joseph remains engaged to Mary. That the angel of the Lord makes the birth announcement to, of all people, shepherds. None of it is written by Luke, the gospel writer, to establish a solid argument for anyone. The Christmas story is not an argument. It's a story that evokes wonder. What kind of God looks down upon their broken creation and comes up with a solution like this? And for all this story has us wonder about God, the more we may wonder about ourselves. If God chose to be born into a community under Roman occupation, where a puppet king like Herod was allowed to bring whatever violence he wanted to into a time and place where the persistence of Jesus would not be tolerated even by his own people, much less the powers that were, if God chose to become truly and really present then and there, then what about here and now? As broken and messed up as our world is, as God sees the climate in crisis, as God sees the unspeakable violence amidst forever wars, as God hears our hateful judgments against them, whoever them is, all grounded in so much fear, as God sees a fractured church that too often seeks to have power instead of giving mercy, and as God sees more closely beyond all those big issues in the news and sees your issues and mine, seeing relationships that have failed, forgiveness that's being withheld, greed in the parts of our hearts that's meant for generosity, the stuff that keeps you up at night from guilt to shame to grief to pain if God chose to become truly present then and there, 
in the Christmas story like that, then it makes us wonder, well, what about now? In the world as we know it, in my life as I know it, the more we allow the Christmas story to sink in, the more we wonder, the more we notice this story gathers people. It unites people. And maybe that sounds obvious, but let me state the obvious. Today, more people are going to gather for worship, not just here at First Lutheran, but throughout the country than any other day of the year. Because this is a story that gathers and unites, and we crave that, especially in 2023, especially looking into 2024 and all that it's going to bring. It's a universal thing to ask amidst all the stuff we know, amidst the guilt and shame, grief, and pain of this life. It's natural for us to ask, where is God in all this? Can there be peace, healing? Is death all there really is? This is a story that responds to those questions, and it moves us to sing. As we stride joyfully through Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and any other day. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that we no more may die. Born to raise each child of earth born to give a second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Thanks be to God. Amen.